Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome. It's a special edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. Today we go off the record with Iowa State head football coach Matt Campbell. As always, our off the record podcast is brought to you by our friends at the Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center, where we encourage you to do all those things, to take care of yourself, to be a man, to go to the doctor. If it's getting an annual physical, if it's getting that annual flu shot, if it's just taking care of yourself, it's January 13th. I assume a lot of you are maybe doing the uh, New Year's resolutions, something like that. I know I need to drop some weight, and I hope that you guys uh, try and take care of yourselves too. The Iowa Clinic and the Iowa Clinic Men's Center, they've sponsored the Off the Record podcast for years. This is our first one, kind of a 2020. We try and catch these guys in the off seasons and whatnot. We usually do a couple with Campbell. Uh, one of them in January, and the other one usually comes around July, right before Big 12 Media Day, that sort of thing. But I think you guys will like what you hear coming up. We do a lot of in-depth. Uh, Matt and I like to do a lot of the philosophical culture building, you know, that type of jazz. And we, so we definitely hit a lot of that today to start. But then later in the podcast, we get into more nitty-gritty football um, stuff like, hey, why don't you uh, line up under center on fourth and inches? And we talk about kickoffs. And I try to do a lot of the stuff that fans have asked me about specifically that I don't always have clear answers for. But then um, we talk Brock Purdy, his progression, the offensive line next year. I think we cover a lot of ground over the next hour. So without any further ado, this is Off the Record. I'm Chris Williams bringing in Iowa State head football coach Matt Campbell. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What's up, coach? Good to see you. You too, buddy. It's quiet here. 
It's quiet. Yeah, we got a, a couple days. Some of our coaches down at the the coaches convention in uh, in Nashville, and and we'll kind of we reconvene last week, did some recruiting, and then we'll kind of reconvene again this week, mid middle part of the week, and get ready to finish off recruiting. I bet that coaches convention's a, a deal. <laughs> it's a deal. That's why <laughs> that's why I'm here and they're there. But yeah, it's a deal that I, I'd rather be uh, watching the national championship game at at home. To be quite honest, that's why. Um that the the final four is how the college basketball coaches do it. Yeah, and and to be honest with you, if they did that, I think it, it'd be a great opportunity for everybody involved. You know, I love how basketball does it because it's centered around those games, yeah. and then obviously the championship game. But uh, unfortunately, you know, for whatever reason, you know, the AFCA does not do it that way. But uh, yeah, that that's become it, it's unfortunate that it used to become it used to be an event where you could go and actually get better. There was clinics and stuff going on, and as a young coach, I loved it. But um, you know, somewhere down the line, it's become more of a you know a meet and greet session, and and you know a lot less learning. So you know, we we kind of take our learning opportunities and go out and visit a lot of places here at this off season. And and you know, we'll, I'd rather go spend time with people than yeah. you know maybe see them and and and. Uh, you know, in a lobby somewhere, some random bar <laughs> yeah. in Nashville. Yeah, yeah I'm good. I, I've, I, I've done the college basketball one one yeah, time. It yeah. was just, it was kind of, and then they all leave before the games. Yeah, no doubt. So yeah, it's fascinating. It's it's more <laughs> of uh, who can you see in the lobby than yeah, uh, uh, than go get yourself better. What are we? Uh, what what's the um, what's the feel of the off season? Well, like, I, I, th- I th- we have like our game plan worked out and all that stuff or is that developing yeah I think it's always developing a little bit but I, I you know I, I think the the first thing that you know even as our season went this year it was about grow and you know I, I think as our season came to an end you know one of the first things before you can even get into the the how is I think the alignment and being aligned from every part of our infrastructure to uh, our players going forward. And, and I, I feel as good about that as I've ever felt. You know, today's the, the start of school. Um, you know, we're, our kids kind of come back. And, you know, it's been a busy last couple of weeks because I really felt like it was time to align towards the team that in the program that we want to become. And, you know, we, we've made some, some changes. We've aligned ourselves to where I really feel like we can take advantage of, you know, where we're at in this program and, and, and really working and getting to that next step of where we want to be in this program. Well, you, you mentioned the infrastructure aspect, and there's really nothing more important to that than strength and right. conditioning. And, and you announced know, a new hire last week, Dave Andrews via Pitt. Um, Where's the background there? Uh, both from Ohio. Yeah. How long have you known him? How how did that come to be? Yeah. So Dave and Dave and I certainly knew of each other through um, you know through his time at Ohio and, and his time at Ohio State and have met Dave along the way professionally um, as he's kind of kind of raised himself up the ranks and very similar backgrounds and very similar people that Dave's been tied to and. You know, I, I, as um, one of the great anchors for us is, is Aaron Hillman, who's on our staff now. And uh, Dave was with Aaron, obviously, at the University of Illinois. But um, some really good contacts along the way and, and have, have met and seen Dave work. And, you know, I, I think for us, I don't feel like our, our strength program was totally broke. But I felt like 
there was an area for us that we needed to to go from kind of almost like everything, the ability to go from good to great and the ability to take that next step in our in our program. And, you know, I think one of the things about Dave that, that I love is, you know, number one, mentality, how he approaches the day-to-day operation. I think so similar to what my beliefs in running a program. And, you know, I, I really feel like a strength coach is as important as an offensive coordinator or a defensive coordinator. Yeah, I think it's yeah. the equal role in your program. And you know, I think Dave brings that kind of mentality. I think number two, staff alignment within his organization. You know, I, I, one of the great things at the Power Five level is you, you're, uh, people don't realize this, but you have four full-time s- staff members that are that are part of your program. And I think that's really huge. And how do you align and give those guys responsibility to that can, can really better the operation in your program um, and help the kids become the best version of themselves they can be. And, you know, I think ultimately, Chris, when you look at, at our program, the ability to love, care, serve, and empower our players to become the best version of themselves they can be, it's really critical. And, you know, I, I really feel like what we're getting is a, a professional approach at taking that next step. And um, just really fired up about that. And I, I, I'm really excited to have Dave, his family, and and really aligning that staff with our culture here at Iowa State. Man, he he looks like a strength coach. Yeah, he looks it. You know, here's a guy that's Man. you know won a national championship as a player at Ohio State, and you know a guy that's certainly been a part of building culture and building programs, and um, seeing it done at the highest level and being a part of leading it at the highest level. And I, I think those things are huge. You know, he brings a wealth of resources and knowledge that I think only allows us to continue to grow and uh, a really a great partner for myself to be able to have and and certainly be able to help us continue to facilitate the growth of this program what have you before i get into all the like diehard football stuff what have you what's your like binge netflix this year we reading anything yeah you know i've been on a a ton of books you know over the last couple weeks and and you know honestly i i've been watching a ton of football you know i've been watching probably a lot of this professional football so far it's been really good in the playoffs it's been awesome and you know i i think uh the game is going to such a such a fun way of what does success look like and uh, we're almost turning back in time I feel like a little bit you know you watch the Titans and you know the ability to run the football and and obviously the ability to to help your defense out and we've talked about that at times and you watch San Francisco being the complete team and um, you know it's a fascinating time and then you watch two great quarterbacks in Mahomes right now and certainly obviously one of the great performances by the Packers last night and what Aaron Rodgers did and so you know I I think the the thing for that football season still so close that you're 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 still you know kind of anytime a game's on you're you're putting yeah. yourself back in those moments. But the binge Netflix that'll come here in January. I got you. When I can get away when football's over. So one thing, and it's for our listeners, Matt and I like to bounce these things off of each other. I've been I've got like a new passion point. Yeah. And I, I, I have a feeling that you've gotten into this before, but yeah. I, we haven't talked about it. Have you ever like gotten into the rise and fall of the Roman Empire? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yes. I, I, again, everybody, we had not talked about yes. this. I've gotten hooked on that over like the last month and a half. Love it. And there's because I read that book and we talked. Ego is the enemy. That's right. We talked about this a couple months ago. Right. And there are a lot of like references in that book to the Roman empire and like lessons that we can learn from the past. And 
so I've been reading a lot about the Roman Empire, and I've thought about how it can relate to not only sports but business and just, like, lessons from that about how people can just, you know, become obsessed with things that don't really matter. That's right. And um, I don't know. When you were talking about infrastructure, football program, all that stuff – Man, it all kind of just bleeds together. I'm not surprised that you've yeah. studied that, though. Well, you know, and, and actually, the author of Ego is the Enemy has just come out with a new book, and and I think Rob wrote about it a little bit at the end of the football season, and, and sent it sent it our way. I've heard it's really good. It, it, it's phenomenal. And what's it called? Oh, you're asking okay. me. And I, I, Rob told me about it. Yeah, and, and it's about stillness, and it's yeah, about stillness the, is the key. Stillness is the key, and yeah. it's about the ability to reflect and. You know, it caught me at a great time because as we were going on our own journey this football season, I think a lot of reflection for me of just in the moment of where we were, where we're trying to go and what we're trying to become. And, you know, I I think you're right. So many of those lessons in the past of um, the Roman Empire is a great one. And, And there's just so many different ways you can pull and continue to remind yourself of what's important. And I think for me as the as the head football coach, your growth is constantly happening. And, you know, to ever, we're in a profession where you, if you ever think you have it figured out, if you ever think you've got all the answers, then you're going to get humbled really fast. And it's what I love about our profession. It's what I love about what you're trying to always chase. But I also think there's a, there's a great understanding of, you know, who are you really and what are you trying to accomplish and become? And that's where some of these books and stillness is the key or stillness is the key. Um, one of the, again, a, a great read and, and it really caught me at a, a really critical time during the football season for myself. Yeah, that's uh, the Roman Empire thing. Check it out. There's a docuseries on Netflix. I love it. That yeah. could be a, that's That'll what, be, yeah, there you go. That's what got me started. I went on a road trip with basketball. It was uh, Oregon State, so it would have been November. And I downloaded a bunch of them for the yeah. flight because we—that's a bear of a flight, by the yeah, way. Yeah. I'm one of those little planes. I'm not—I'm not going that that way yeah. anytime soon. And you have to stop in like North Dakota and yeah. gas up, and it, it was hor- it was snowing and what whatever. Um, <laughs> and I watched like that documentary, and I got yeah. hooked on it. And then I've read a couple books since. Well, I'm, that may help me for this last part of recruiting. There you go. It's called good. The Roman Empire. There's three seasons. It's super easy to awesome. go through. Yeah, check it out. Um, okay, the. So the off-season stuff, you you signed an extension here at Iowa State. I was just curious because I, I remember, like when Coach Hoiberg was going through that. Do you get does that get used against you? Like, do you do you feel that on the recruit? Because you've been very consistent right. since you got here. Right. But it 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 becomes frust- It has to become frustrating personally when. It seems like people don't take you at your word with things. Do do you feel that way? Yeah, you know, I, I just think that's a part of our that's a part of our culture and our world that we live in today. You know, with social media being such a such a key piece. And to be honest with you, I, I've really kind of gone opposite for myself on social media just because I just feel like I've had to. You know, I, I, I did you. I did before the start of the football season and really haven't gone back there. And but I think. What I what I do realize is that you know it has an effect on number one our kids and absolutely I think sometimes probably even a mistake this football season is not understanding the impact that it had on our own football team um, and then number two 
obviously it every day it does in recruiting and people have used that against us and you know Chris I think that's that's one of the things for me is this is where I want to be it's what I want to do um we've got a lot of work to do as we know but the the reality of it is the only thing I can continue to do is is continue to show my loyalty to how we're doing it and doing it the right way and you know I, I think that's the one thing I'm really proud of is rather than have we ever tried to make this a quick fix? Have we ever tried to think this is about the next job? No, it's never been about that. Literally, it's been about, about building this thing the right way. And, you know, that's what's enjoyable. And sometimes it's what's painful, but it's a, it's what's really enjoyable about building this program the right way. And, um, you know, that, 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 that December period certainly was certainly a challenge and, and certainly different than you know, and I feel like it's gotten stronger every year. But again, I, I think sooner or later, our loyalty to saying this is what we're going to do and this is how we're doing it, it's going to pay off in terms of those rumors really weakening their effect both on our team and certainly in the recruiting process. Yeah, I mean, as long as really with anything in life, if you just if you are consistent, no doubt, you know, no doubt. I, I was curious. So you, you mentioned the December deal, the football aspect. So you play Notre Dame. You guys get beat yeah. pretty handily. I mean, that was maybe the best team I've seen Iowa State play since you've been here. Maybe, yeah, arguably. Yeah. Uh, what do you? What did? What's the program take from that? Because that was a process where you, you get smacked in the mouth mm-hmm. pretty good by Kansas State. Mm-hmm. You get this bull bid, and a lot of eyes are on your program. What do you take away from that month that that you can use in the future? Well, you know, I, I think two different, drastically different lessons. You know, I, I think um, the Kansas State game, you know, I felt like that was not Iowa State football, you know, um, and that's no discredit to Kansas State or their team. But, you know, I felt like we were uh, – there was a lot of things that I just didn't feel like reflected the football team that we've been for the last three years. And, you know, even though we had some tough gut-wrenching losses and obviously some great wins through the season, I never felt like, man, I just felt like we we're just continuing to go, man. We're growing and we're learning how yeah. to handle all these things. But the Kansas State one stung because I felt like for the first time that maybe we were a smidgen off. And I think it it sent me in a deep dive, both with our players, with our staff, and and really looking at myself of where are we, where are these margins that, that have gotten us to this point to not be our best? And you know, I, I think it was, there was a lot of things that, that showed up, you know, and, and I'm not going to go into all of them, but I, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that you learn as the head football coach is, is this was a different year. This was a year where there was a lot of expectations on our program. Um, I think that sometimes I've always said, well, geez, you know, those expectations, no, no expectations greater than the ones that we have inside our walls. And I think that's really true. But you're also dealing with 18 to 22 year old young people. Um, you're also dealing with a coaching staff that really cares. You're dealing with a coach with a, with a group of players that really care and with that care and concern and trying to be the best, boy, it can weigh on you. Mm-hmm. And I think it, same thing with a coaching staff. And, you know, for me, my motto has always been work harder. <laughs> when the stakes get 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 harder and the, and, the, and the stakes rise, 
I, I've always felt like my ability to outwork people has always been my key to success. And I think sometimes, even in the role that I am as the head football coach, like you got to be able to maybe work smarter and have the ability to take the overall look at the program and say, man, how did we get so exhausted along the way? And, um, you know, how do you protect some of these young guys who, fair or unfair, you know, um, they had to step into some critical roles where Mm -hmm. some of these guys are now playing in the National Football League and we're replacing them with freshmen and sophomores expected to maybe have the same level of excellence that those guys had. And, you know, I I think all those things along the way – were an area where showed up that said, man, Matt, you, you got to continue to grow and you got to continue to be the best coach for these kids and these assistant coaches. And so I think we learned a lot and I learned a lot after the Kansas state game when we had some powerful meetings. I, I, now you lose, you leave the Notre Dame game and I'll be really honest with you. I was, I was fired up and I, rather than disappointed or, or I thought our kids played really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that physically was the best football team that we've played since I've been here at Iowa State. You know, the O-line, the D-line, the size of that team. Um, probably a, a mismatching for us in some areas that, that you really struggle for us when we have a mismatch in some of those areas. And and so I, I think for us, um, you know, what I left that game was, I felt that's the most unified we've been since I've been here at Iowa State in terms of our coaches and our players and our team in general. Um, what I, you know, what the disappointment was is some of the same things that got us during the football season. Yeah. Um, you know, we still hadn't fixed yet. And those are part of that's growing up. Uh, part of that's coaching. And part of that's, you know, I think a part of where we want to be and what we want to become. And so I I think it was really a fascinating journey for me over the last month. Uh, I've always said this and people can say whatever they want. You know, my focus isn't on winning and losing. There's it's about it's about that alignment, that culture. Are we becoming the best version of ourselves we can be? And, you know, leaving Kansas State, I didn't feel like we were there. You know, leaving Notre Dame, boy, the attitude, the effort, the investment, the controllables, I felt like we were a lot closer to exactly what our program stands for. And we got a great example shown to us of what that looks like, what that next level of excellence looks like and feels like. And it's where we want to be and what we want to become. And to be honest with you, I would have rather not – I wouldn't have rather played anybody else in any other environment than to play Notre Dame because I think it was a it was a great opportunity for our kids, our program, and to be honest with you, you know, I think it it told us a whole lot about where we want to go. One of the things I've learned from watching you over the years is about the importance of the middle of the roster. Yeah. It's the top end guys, the four or five stars that get talked, quarterbacks, wide receivers, but it's that middle of the roster you're two and three deeps that really – so I, I'm going to uh, – this is just my observation yeah. on the year, and you tell me if you agree or not. You guys go seven and five. Right. And you had all those one-possession games. You right. had all those um, – man, and I, I'm going to argue with you till the death on randomness of turnovers. Sure. I'll argue with you until sure. I die. Sure. <laughs> Especially after this year. I feel yeah. like I, it proved my point, but we'll, we'll see. We need right. a bigger sample size. Right. But I, my argument would be – your middle of the roster, even though you go seven and five, which was lower than probably what you had hoped you would be going sure. into, had your middle of the roster not been stronger than it had been in previous years, that could have easily been a five and seven year. Oh yeah, you know, and yeah. like even two years ago, like yeah. your your record was right. better, but I don't think the middle of your roster was as good as last year. And then I look forward to next year, and I, I see a more improvement there. Yeah, you know, I, I think for the realist in me. 
and the, the realist and, and the reality of the season in some ways is, number one, you're not sneaking up on anybody. You're getting everybody's best shot. Number two, um, you also have to understand that, you know, let's talk about turnovers. Well, <laughs> turnovers also happen when you're really confident in what you're doing, you're experienced, and you got guys that are fresh. And so, you know, again, Brian Peavy started for four years at corner. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Peavy was a huge catalyst to a lot of great turnovers here. DeAndre Payne started for three years here um, at corner and field safety. Like, again, a guy super experienced. Yeah. Billy Harvey's playing for the Cleveland Browns and started at Sam Linebacker. He's the guy nobody ever talks about. Right. It, huge piece. Um, Greg Eisworth, who was the defensive player of the year, played with a half of a shoulder the entire season this year because he played for the betterment of the team. And and you know, and then you lose Jaquan Bailey, who's an all conference player. Now, is there any excuse? No, there's no excuse because I think what we what I was proud of is you saw us weather those storms and you didn't see a total drop off. You saw us have the ability to grow and now what what do you love? You love that those those young corners like Anthony Johnson through the season, man, he really grew and yeah. I, I think he's got a chance to be one of the best corners in in college football next year. You know, you you saw Tavon Kyle really start to grow in in, in terms of that other corner and that's a that's a redshirt freshman. You know, you saw Braxton Lewis have a, you know, play really hard for us at that at that middle safety and came in and gave us what a senior should his best 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 football of his career. You saw Zach Peterson as a true sophomore step in for Jaquan and play great football for this football team. And you know, I, I think those are things that are real. You saw for the betterment of the team. You saw Mike Rose move the Sam linebacker for us to to give us our most experienced group go out there. But did it, did any. Play his best football for a stretch there in the middle. He played well. I mean, you, you look at the Notre Dame game and you said, you know, there are some great D linemen there. Who was one of the best D linemen that played in the game? Man, any. Yeah. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He, he, I, I thought mean, so too. Yeah, That's why I asked. Like, and, and so, you know, what I, what, those are things that are real and they're going to happen every year. But like, you know, having the ability to grow and watch these kids grow through this season, I thought it was unbelievable and it was awesome. And it allowed us to, um, it just allowed us to continue to mature and you had to handle that maturity through that not only the expectation but the reality of like these guys are coming to to pound you because you've beaten them and yeah. you've this isn't uh man they're going to take you lightly anymore as people got you circled on 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 their calendar they 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 can't wait to play you because maybe you beat them last year or you beat them the year before or whatever that may be. And so, again, I just think that's part of a, a really young team maturing and maturing on the on the defensive side of the football. And, and then you, you talk about the same thing on the offensive side of the football. You know, you you got a guy in, in Brock who, you know, Brock is as talented and as special as any quarterback I've ever been around. But, you know, when you don't have – David Montgomery and you don't have Akeem Butler, um, where does all that pressure and whose shoulders does it go on? Well, the guy's the greatest competitor I've ever been around. So he wants to put all that pressure on himself and he wants to demand the best of himself on every play. And, you know, I, I think what was huge for our team to see the tight end group start to develop and grow. And, 
you know, it was great to see, um, you know, some of those young receivers start to step into a great realm. It was great to watch what happened at tailback. It was great to watch Trevor Downing. You, you talk about great, great offense alignment. Man, the, the highest grade out of any offense alignment in the bowl game was Trevor Downing. Like, man, there's some good old linemen playing in that game. Like, mm-hmm. that guy was the highest graded guy. Like, that guy's got a chance to be really special. And so I think what, what I watched is I watched a team grow up. I watched a group grow up and – you know, it, it's part of that's going to happen. You're you're going to grow, and, and you're going to you're going to do that. And I, I thought it was huge for that group to stay the course and keep getting better um, along the way. But I think we learned some really great lessons along the way too. I also think too, just when you watch like the evolution of these programs that haven't that aren't blue bloods, right? right? I I think a great example for Iowa State is Gary Pinkle in Missouri. Oh no, like there was a point there mm-hmm. where. They had got to the point where, you know, they're winning three games, whatever. Right. And then Pinkle gets them to where they're at like six games. Then they won eight, nine. That was the year that they played Mangino and the um the it was their last year, I think, in the Big Twelve and Kansas beat them and went to the Orange Bowl. And then they dropped back a little bit. And I remember a lot of people were like, Oh, fire the guy. Yeah. They stuck with him. Yeah. And now it weren't for his health problems. Who knows what happens? But they, they stuck with him, and that program ascended to be – they won the SEC East two years in a row, sure. I think. And I think that Snyder was the same way at Kansas State. Ference was the same way at Iowa. People often think that it's like this straight line right. going up right. where that's just really not how – it works when you're trying to build something. No, not not if you're going to do it right. Yeah. Not if it's built for the long haul and built to last. And, um, you know, I think the thing hopefully people would say about us is we haven't taken any shortcuts. Um, we haven't tried to shortcut the process of greatness and building a program the right way. And I, I really feel like that has allowed us a foundation to really build on. And and like you said before, I think it probably allowed us to weather some of the storms that could have really arose this football season, and it could have been a lot different animal. When I say middle of the roster, though, I'm talking about, like, if, looking back to if you and I are having this conversation in August, Zach Peterson's that guy. No doubt. You know? No doubt. And if your middle of the roster isn't strong, and right. I've covered Iowa State teams before where right. you lose a starting defensive lineman, let alone the guy who is going to, walk out of here with more sacks than anybody in school history, no the season's over. No question. And this guy steps in, and he has different strengths, right. but he also had different weaknesses. Like, But he was ready to go. Ready to go. You know, you look at the emergence of Will McDonald, yeah. and, and you get to see that guy. And Hummel see, at linebacker. Hummel at linebacker. You know, and, 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 and like I said, I, I think that's, that's part of – it's part of our process. And it's the same thing with those young guys at corner. Like, you know, there there's a growth – there's a growth pattern that's going to happen. And the, the huge piece of it is you can see it. You're like, man, those are good football players. Yeah. Those are guys that are going to be really successful or are becoming really successful rather than, man, we're going to defend on what freshman next year to come in here and try to be that guy. Like, we're not there anymore. Now we're in a point where, you know, there's there's young guys in our program that have been redshirted and are growing and being groomed for these opportunities. And, and I think the thing that I was most proud of of our kids is you saw guys take advantage of their opportunities and you saw – individuals really grow and and you saw our coaching staff even work through some man some challenging situations early in the middle part of the season that we were able to to grow through and 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 I can equally say 
were we perfect? And did we have to grow through it? Yes. You know, we weren't perfect. And, you know, I think that's part of willing to, to admit your where you thought you were really good and admit where you thought you needed to continue to be better and then and then go to work on, on getting yourself better. I want to talk to, I have one more thing I wanted to hit on before I get yeah. to like specific stuff. And that's just analytics and football in general. Yeah. Because I have, uh, I think that all of us should question ourselves. I've, I do think I may have jumped too far in, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Now, I'm not relating to the turnover thing. Yeah. I, that's just a little bit of it. But I, as I've sat back and watched the game much closer probably the last year than I ever have. Right. And I think a lot of that has to do with having an infant. Right. It allowed me... At 3 a.m. Use idle time. That's yes. right. And Absolutely. I'm watching, you know, I'm feeding and yeah. watching a random Syracuse game. Right. Um, I do think it's interesting, though, because I, I look around and I specifically in the pros, I think that a lot of these teams are, uh, I'll use your Cleveland Browns as an example, where they can't seem to get on track, where right. I, I think that a lot of it is you see last year, uh, McVay and the Rams go to the Super Bowl, right. right? And everybody's like, okay, now we need to mimic that. Right. And a lot of what they're doing is analytical and whatnot. Right. And I, I don't know. I just think it's different than baseball in a sense, you know, and I, well, there's so many dynamics. Yeah. Um, a, it still is a simple game. And I think sometimes people, we, we want to make this game complex sometimes and, and complexity to this game sometimes can hurt you. Um, I do think that analytics are, there's value in analytics and it's information that you, that's great to have, but if it's deciding everything, if it's being the ultimate decision maker, then I really think that you're putting yourself at a great disadvantage. Um, even using analytics in terms of a game plan and inside the game, some of that's great to have at your disposal to maybe give you a, a feel of how things go. But boy, once that ball hits, and yeah. boy, we, we watch, if you're watching the Chiefs game yesterday and the Titans, and you say, well, man, they're down 24 nothing. Like, do you think the Chiefs wanted to be down for 24 nothing? No. And so what do you got to do? Well, you got to fight back in it. And now all of a sudden the analytics, whatever you had analytically for the game, goes out the window because yeah. the guy fumbled the ball. And next thing you know, things have changed. And so the game and the flow's changed. And so I think that's where having a feel and having the ability to adjust and having the ability to communicate – those are so much more important in our game and understanding yeah. fundamentals and detail. Okay, so where I think I may have missed the boat in the past yeah, is like, let's use the Oklahoma game, for instance. Sure. When you chose to go for two. Right. I think Chris, two years ago, would have been like, what's the book say? Right. What's What right. do the numbers say? Right. And I would do it. Right. You made a gut decision, though, right? right? Yeah, I could have cared less what the book said. Uh, okay, you, you know? yeah. yeah. And I, that's where I think I've missed the boat. Right. I, and I think that, like, oh, it's third and two. Yeah. You're on the 40. What's the book say? Do we right. run here or pass? Right. You can't. Right. Because really, once that first 10 minutes is over, it's, it's a, a diff totally different world. Well, and the analytics go out the window because now what you need is real-time analytics, which yeah. would, would in some way be maybe advantageous. But you're right. You, you know, you go to the Oklahoma game, like um, 
well. Our defense has been on the field a lot in the first half of the football game. Um, you know, offensively, we're in as good a rhythm as we've been all year. And our quarterback's playing as good as anybody on, on the field. And you know what? The reality of it is we're on the road. We, we've we done a great job with the clock. And we're almost right back in the same situation, the same end zone we were the last time we were here and we beat these guys. Like, we're going to go win this football game. And, you know, we said it before the drive even started. Like, listen to me, we're going to go score, and I'm going for two, and we're going to go win this game, so stay on the field. And we do, and our kids <laughs> believe it. And, you know, and, and the reality – You caught a bad break. I'll yeah. say it. You don't have to. Yeah, right, wrong, or indifferent. <laughs> but, but, but again, I think that's where that communication and our trust, like, man, our kids want to go win. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to go win. And I believe that our kids are going to go win. And, and so, yeah, we didn't. Great, we'll put that in our 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 tool toolbox for later on. Not that I would ever make the I, I wouldn't a hundred times I'd make the the same same decision. You, that I made. You're a go for two guy. Well, in, in, that, that, in that situation, yeah, I yeah, am. Yeah. You know, and and on the road, for it, whatever it is, you were down like seventeen forty to forty one. Yeah. yeah, we're down by seventeen points to start the second half. Yes, um, our kids had exerted a lot of energy just to get back to where we were in that football game and. Um, energy, I think, is big in, in a game like that. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's a great point, Chris, and, and certainly that situation is unique to itself. But uh, I think every situation is different. And, and, you know, there might have been another game where I would have kicked it and said, let's go to overtime and go win the football well, game. I, I think, too, and the one thing that I've really learned this over the probably the last five years, I feel like I've gained some perspective that that I'd like to see fans just kind of like think more about right. than just being so reactionary all the time. Let's say like, okay, you're in a situation where to kick a field goal or not at any point in the game, at any point on the field. Well, nobody knows more than you guys. How has that kicker been kicking? Right. Like what, we don't what do you do see all every, week. Yeah. What's the wind? You know what I mean? Right. Where's what hash? Is, what hash is, is he comfortable? Where with? is he at from? Right. And it's just stuff that. We just don't know, and it's often hard because fans are so passionate, and I, which we appreciate, and I love it. Yes. And, and 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 honestly, that's again to me, I've never that doesn't the fan piece of it's never bothered me because no, I know part of it, and, but I'm just and I appreciate it. My point though, yep, is that there's just so much more to it than like what we ever even see. No question, because I've seen you guys, right. And I know how much you chart everything. Everything. Like every – how many cameras do you have set up in practice? Yeah, we've got at least six set up for yeah. every angle That's and what every I'm situation. Saying. Absolutely. Fascinating. All right, um, a couple more things. I wanted to ask about Brock. So he, you said after the bowl game he was a little dinged up towards the end of the year. Do you – like as far as like Brock Purdy the next two years as the quarterback – are we going to see him running some? Or is this a deal where it's like, okay, we have to manage this. We we don't want him to run as much as he did against TCU, but right. that's still who he is. How does that work? Yeah, you know, again, I, I think what makes Brock special is his ability to use his feet. And so we would be really naive to not use Brock to the best of his ability. And to be honest with you, if you told Brock, he loves to run the football. And, and he's good at it. He's, and he's really very good. cerebral. He, he's got this unique ability. Now, Actually, Brock's injuries have never come from him running the football. You know, Brock's injuries have become from getting hit in the pocket or, you know, maybe maybe getting hit as he's escaping the pocket. But, boy, it's never it's never been a facet for him where he's ever been hurt running the ball. And so, you know, and I think it also says kind of how tough Brock really is because Brock's not a guy that's coming out of the football game. You know, he's a guy that's going to keep playing and um, keep pounding away. But, you know, Brock wasn't wasn't, you know, 
got got dinged up in West Virginia. Um, you know, guts. You know, was gutsy enough to really kind of kind of stay the course. But but you know, until we could get to the bye week, really give him a chance to regain uh, you know a lot of that health. Um, and then kind of got dinged up. Honestly, got dinged up in the the second play of the Kansas State game, and dinged up to a point where if you really go watch that game, you're seeing a shell of the quarterback that you saw yeah. all season. Yeah. And um, you know, and and kind of were able to get him back, but you know, still wasn't the same guy that he'd been all year, even in the Notre Dame game. But um, you know, I, I think that says who he is. You know, and and again, that's a first time, first season for Brock Purdy where he's played every game, um, took every rep, was the quarterback the entire time, and and was a guy that you know I think his body's only going to strengthen and grow from understanding all of those things. And um, you know, so yeah, Brock running and his ability to use his feet to to be a great football player, boy, that's what makes Brock Purdy really special and what makes him elite and. You know, those are things that that will only continue to enhance as, as he continues to grow. And I, I think what you'll see is an offseason for Brock Purdy where you're going to see him grow to physically the yeah. best version of himself he can be too because he's still a young puppy and still a guy that's just growing into his body and becoming the best version of himself he can be. Is, is there too like a maturation process? So he, he plays right away as a right. true freshman. And so much of that time, I would guess – of his time has to go into the football aspect of it and the yes. skill aspect of it. And now he's, he's a team captain. He's revered by his teammates. He, I think he's as smart of a player as you have on your team. No question. Now he can focus on that physical aspect more. Yeah. I think for the first time for Brock, he can take a breath and reflect yeah. and say, okay, look at this. I got, um, I got a whole season under my belt. I can reflect on football video, but I also can reflect and say, you know, where am I going? Mm -hmm. How great do I want to be? You know, what, where are those gaps for me physically, mentally, that if I want to take the next step, where can I fill those gaps in? You know, I think he's been just trying to catch his breath, to be honest with you, for the first year and a half, you know, but now he gets a chance to really sit back. I think he's confident. Um, You know, the system's been built a lot in his favor and now he can pour himself into those fine details and, you know, physically, mentally, and football-wise, that, that that's going to be really fun to watch him continue to grow with. I like the quarterback room, too. I think, would that do him good to have those younger guys in there? I think it's huge. Because he's kind of like a coach on the field, right? Well, I mean, you talk about getting a guy like Aiden Bauman here yeah. already, and then Hunter Decker's coming in, you know, and to be able to get two guys like that that are – cut in the same mold of Brock Purdy, um, elite attention to detail, elite football character, um, you know, and, and really similar game. You know, both guys have the ability to use their feet. Both guys have elite arm strength. And, and um, I think that's going to be fun for those guys to continue to grow through him, grow with him. And then, you know, for those guys to have a guy like Real in there too, and a guy that's kind of grown, you know, is, is continuing to grow himself through that, through what it means to play quarterback here and, um, you know, continues to really work hard at it. Okay. Um, we'll stay on offense and then I have a couple defensive deals. The offensive line, I kind of feel like now this is like a new era. Yes. Where, because Meeker and Good Jones and then Knipple have been solid. Right. They've been good players the last few years now it's like this new era of offensive linemen that has been developed right under and they've had time to develop and they can kind of finally get their opportunity I don't know what that means but that's how it feels to me from the outside well no question and and I think you know for me 
Um, I'm grateful to those seniors because those guys changed the narrative of offensive line play at Iowa State. Yeah, no doubt. Now, it's it's what I'm really excited about is you talk about let's just talk about the the two mainstays. You know, you, you're talking Trevor Downing and Colin Newell. You know, like um, Trevor Downing, as good of an offensive lineman as I've ever coached, and a guy that is growing into a special talent. Um, Colin Newell, a guy that finally got healthy towards the end of the football season, actually you know, started and played his best game maybe of his career against Notre Dame. And, you know, a guy that started every football game a year ago for us. So you're getting you're getting two anchors to build around, which I think we're all really, really excited of exactly what we expect to play offensive line. Tough, physical, and the ability to demand the best of themselves. And so I think whoever comes into those roles and fights for those roles has got to almost come to the level of excellence that these two have already demanded for themselves. And I think if you want to take a, another step in a program, you got to have anchors, you got to have alphas. And, you know, we're really fortunate you got two alphas to build around in that group. So I, I think we're all really, really excited about that group. And then the rest of the guys, though, you, you've talked a lot about how that last recruiting class you thought was the best group of yes. offensive linemen you brought in. But then, I, you know, I'm looking at Ramos, Hudson, I mean, guy, guys in the, like where I talk middle of the roster, right. and this is another example I feel like that probably wasn't even there two years ago. No, and and I think, yeah, I mean, Joey Ramos goes in and two of the biggest drives of the season and, and, is, and plays unbelievable for, for our football team. And those are kind of hidden because he's, he's going in at, at offensive line that nobody sees. People but would know if he screwed up. He, they know if he screwed up, right? right? And so – you know, I think Joey's got a chance to take an unbelievable step, and and almost what I appreciate about those guys that graduate is they allow they're they're going to allow those guys to start at their level and naturally re reestablish a standard of excellence that we want to become on that offensive line. So, you know, you talk about Rob Hudson. You know, the, uh, really really excited about the growth of a, of a guy like that, and you know, you talk about a guy like Grant Triber and and Jake Remsburg and. There's 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 so many names right now to go through on this group that um, it's going to be really fun and I think probably even unfair until we get through spring practice or to spring practice to even start getting like uh, throwing all those names out there. But I think you're you're talking now where there's 12 or 13 guys that are fighting for five spots than maybe six guys fighting yeah. for five spots. Okay, on defense, the the narrative throughout the season is, oh, okay, well, everybody's playing your defense now. Right. Which the, which is true. Sure. Did, did that – does that change the way that these offenses have been attacking you? Because they, they see them all week long. It's not as much of a – I don't ever – it wasn't ever a novelty, but it's not as different right. as it once was. I'm just curious, like, the challenges that provides – your de- defensive staff in the off season. Well, I think evolution is still key, you yeah. know, and and I think the the you know evolution is something that that you know I think you even saw our defense have to do kind of by some injury and situational standpoints this past fall, but you know it's it's the key to success, and so you know uh, having a foundations one. But evolving and being, and you've heard me say this a hundred times, is is be multiple is critical to your success. And you know, I think you, you saw some of that evolution happen throughout our season this yeah, year. Yeah, no doubt. And and I think you only see us continue to grow. And again, it's using your resources and using your players and putting those players in the best position to be successful. And you know, I thought we were able to manage through that this season, you know, pretty well with 
with some tough situations. But, um, you know, I think we're really excited about what that depth chart and what that roster looks like. Maybe more excited now than I've ever been in terms of our defensive personnel as well. Did um, did McDonald kind of click? It felt like the Texas Kansas games. Yeah, watching it. I mean, he there were a couple times where he was held, no doubt, and still getting to the that Texas game. You don't have to say it. He got held like fifteen yeah. times in that game, yeah. but like he he was kind of unblockable no at one point in the season. Well, I think what you saw with Will is he's a redshirt freshman, and again, yeah. like you know, like. We were trying to find the right home for Will to be the best version of Will he could be, and I think we finally found that. And you know, I thought Coach Rasheed did an unbelievable job with Will, kind of getting him into situational football where he could really have a chance to take over. And you know, you're talking about a guy now that you're going to watch his body completely change too. You yeah, know? I mean, um, he's still a young puppy who's just growing into his body. But uh, you know, I think if if you're not excited about Will McDonald, then 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 you're wrong because I think that guy's as talented as anybody on our roster and what his skill set looks like and has the ability to do. You know my affinity for the defensive line. Yes, I don't know if I've ever been more excited about the next two years of a player. Yeah, than I had than I am him right well, now. Well, I think you just look at that whole group in general. I yeah. mean, you, you talk about Jaquan Bailey. You're talking about getting him back for his senior year. You're talking about any. You're talking about Zach Peterson. You're talking about man Tucker Robertson. I thought played really good football for us at times this season. You're gonna get to see that guy just continue to grow in our program. And you're not even talking about Will McDonald and, and then hitting on some of these young guys. Blake Peterson's a guy that had a really, really special, what I thought, freshman year. And even though he didn't play in a lot of the games, his ability and practice and his growth, unbelievable. And then um, same thing on this interior defensive line. You know, you talk about the growth of a guy like Josh Bailey and Isaiah Lee and um, you know, obviously Latrell coming in here at the midway point, and and then you know Jr. Singleton is the freshman. Like, I, boy, it's it's exciting for all of us because I think it allows us. We probably have more depth on the defensive front and more guys that we feel that can play. And so now you talk about creativity and be multiple. Boy, it allows you to do a lot of different things. This this Isaiah Lee, in my opinion, covered Iowa State for 15 years. His contributions as a true freshman. Yeah. Two years ago, some of the most unwritten about, most important plays. No doubt. When when Ray goes out no that doubt. week against West Virginia, like he did so much that year yeah. that nobody realized. No. And, and he barely played compared like in this last year, no but doubt. that's a development year. It no doesn't doubt. mean he stinks. Like yeah. that's what he needs to have happening. Well, in, in good programs. Yeah. <laughs> you got but we're just not used to that right. year yeah. where, you know. Yeah. And, and I think I, that's what's huge for a guy like Isaiah and – um, you know, really a guy like Josh. And so I, I, I really do. I, I'm, I'm really thrilled for that group and, and feel probably as confident about that defensive line room as I felt um, about any group in our program for a long time. Um, Bankston, I just wanted to ask about him. Mm-hmm. He's, he's like the George Niang of Iowa State football recruits on Twitter. <laughs> I, I don't think you. I've ever seen a guy who loves Iowa State more than this Bankston. Yeah. yeah. You know, Latrell's got a really special spirit about himself. Oh, man, he is a clone to the bone, man. No doubt. Well, you know, Latrell's one of those guys where, um, you know, life has – life through adversity early. Yeah. And good things – good things are – are huge for, for Latrell. And, you know, Latrell's paved his own path, which I really appreciate about him. Um, I think he's used his, his adversity, his motivation – um, and I think all of us, especially at that age when it happened, 
adversity throws us throws us through the ringer for a little bit and then we gather ourselves and find out who we really are and I think what you find out about Latrell boy is is just an unbelievable human being great spirit um, a great passion for life and to be honest with you a, a drive to be the best so um, usually the great ones that I've been around have had a lot of those fabrics and a lot of those foundations of, of making up who they really are and what they stand for. All right, just some really quick hits. I got all the big stuff done, then we'll then we'll be done here. Yeah. Um, special teams. It seemed like a very uh, conservative approach to the return game yeah. this year. Uh, I, does that evolve over the or is that are you? Saying okay, we can get the ball in the twenty-five because well, football has changed a lot. Here's what I would t- I would go back and watch, and you can watch these NFL games, and I, I would tell you that look at the average yards of return by a kickoff returner in the yeah. Big Twelve. It's under twenty-five yards. How foolish are we? <laughs> I get that it. if the ball's not perfect, yeah. where you want it. To say, man, and you look at our first couple games. I think there was finally a point. I said, "This is this oh, is foolish." The yeah. first two games, no you question. guys were downright bad at returning it, kicks. No question, yeah. and, and it has nothing to do with that's there. There's it's some of it's where it's fielded, some of it's trying to. So I think the reality of it is maybe that is a little bit analytical, um, and not that we. There didn't. you I go. Think, I think when you saw us return our kicks, though, from the third game on. They were huge returns. What, they were big opportunities. What goes into that? Well, if it is in, like, is it like, all right, Kenny, we trust you, but yeah, here's 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 how the returns. Think about how hard a kickoff return is. The fact that the ball, you don't know exactly what angle the ball is going to be kicked at. So the exact spot where the ball is going to receive, every angle that where that ball is received dictates the other ten blocks that are in front of you. Well, they can't exactly see where that angle is. Yeah. And so I think there's got to be almost a, a, an art to returning the kickoff to, to say, here's where the parameters are that we want that ball to be. If the ball's kicked here, this is where we're going to allow this kickoff to go because here's how the scheme's set up to be effective. And so I, I think there's an art to it. And to be honest with you, I felt like that was maybe our greatest improvement through the season is when we returned kicks, we were outstanding. Yeah. Um, and, you know. I, and I think that that's when, again, like when you don't see everything. Yeah. Well, you, yeah, well, you say, what are they doing? The only time we see you return kicks. I get it. And, and it's good <laughs> and it's successful. But, I, I, again, that's where I, I would challenge people. Like, the reality is the naiveness in people not using the rule to say well, getting the ball in the tw- – like look at our own kickoff coverage team. Uh, obviously, other than one kickoff coverage against Kent or versus Kansas State, the rest of the season we're tackling people. Their starting point is inside the 20-yard line um, the entire year, one of the best kickoff teams. And I kept laughing and almost chuckling is why are people returning the ball against us? The, the rule is made to try and – incentivize you to not return it in some way in a lot of ways yes because they're trying to get rid of the concussions right right? i mean we're being honest no doubt so like they're they're trying to get you to do this i I get it yeah so you know especially when you have a good offense no question and and i think um you know would you rather start on the 25 and and obviously the devil's advocate is man maybe you might hit it but i think um you know you saw us hit it a couple, a lot of times, and you saw us use that rule to our advantage rather than using that rule to a, our disadvantage. Is how I would say it. Okay, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to argue with with fans too okay. on this one. Yes. And I'm sure I you've heard. It. I'm sure you've heard. Of, I what I did was I wrote down like the four or five things okay. that get tweeted at me the most. Okay, let's go. The fourth and inches not going under center. Yeah, and and probably in fairness, you know, I, I think you. 
I don't know if I, I I could make that same argument with them at times. You know, and I'm not saying you won't you'll see us continue to do that. I think that you saw us a year ago do that really well. Yeah. Um, you know, so for me, do I believe in it or not believe in it? Boy, you've seen us do two years ago, you know, last year it. we did a bunch. I think every situation's different, every game's different. Um, you know, we obviously we are in the shotgun at times. Um, but I, I, I think there's a that's a fair argument and that's something that we always we look back on. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but uh, you know, there's probably some argument that could be made in a positive way to what what a fan's saying. But I, I would tell you, you'll you'll constantly see us have the ability to go under center and and do those things. And 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 again, if you look at us a lot a year ago, we did a really good job of that. Um, you know, did we do it as much this year? Probably not. But um, you know, I think a little bit of, of it's situational, a little bit of it's also personnel driven too. Well, and then I, I've talked to enough offensive coaches over the specifically when Herman was here. Right. Um, they never went under center. Right. Ever. Right. And, like, even with Ellinger, I don't think that he's doing it there. And, like, he – you guys generally have reasons. Sure. Well, I think the ball handling becomes the biggest reason, right? Yeah. But I I also think that there is some truth to to getting under center. Yeah. You know, how you're operating and what you're doing. And, 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 you know, again, you saw us do it at times this year. You saw us do it a, a lot last year. Um, I think every situation is a little bit different, and it, it's part of the evolution. So um, I think that's a really fair uh, question that fans would be tweeting at you. And it's not <laughs> not to say it's something that we haven't talked about as a coaching staff ourselves. Yeah. I um, No, I, that that's pretty much it was those two. Because yeah. the, the kickoffs and then that one. Man, oh, no, like the kickoffs people... I'm, not, I'm not buying. The, the kickoff piece of it, the kickoff return piece of it, I think that's uh, – yeah. I think that there's a huge art to that to be really successful. Do you think that that will is a hole in the game of football ever do away with it? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's getting interesting, but um, you know, I feel I like still, every year they add something. I do think that this rule, you know, even even to the effect of you know changing the rule. I thought a hidden rule this past year that was certainly interesting was the ability to have a two man wedge on the kickoff return team. You know, if you look at um, you know even for ourselves standpoint. That was a, a new rule early in the season for us that we had to adapt to, and, and just a two-man wedge is two guys side-by-side side and a kickoff return is illegal. It's a 15-yard penalty. And uh, I thought that was a big rule that, that came into play a little bit in college football that that uh, you know people had to work through as the season went on. I also would point out, you guys played in a lot of weird weather games. <laughs> Probably the weirdest. Yes, I, I, you know, I feel like I, I must be uh, somewhere in another life. I must. This uh, is the worst season ever. I mean, yes. And for the tailgaters listening, yes. like, I mean, I think they only had their beloved grass lots like yeah. twice. But this let, year. let's say this about our, and I'll say this, Chris, and it's a great point. And um, you know, I just think from our end, you you go to some of those tough environments where. Our our weather wasn't perfect this year, but that stadium, the electricity oh, in yeah. there this year, as good as I've ever seen, and um, just really grateful. And, and it's like I said, I, you know, I think we're we're as we grow, our fan base continues to grow, and I I couldn't be more grateful for them because we would not even have an opportunity to be where we're at without the, our fan base. And I thought their loyalty to stay through some tough situations this year was awesome, and I really appreciate it. Yeah, I thought that. The, the outcome didn't turn out the way we wanted to, but the second half of that Iowa game yeah, was unbelievable. When they're, after that big delay, yeah. and it was a long day. Long day. With the college game day deal, and yeah. like half the fans were here at like 4 a.m. No question. That, after that delay, was as electric yeah. 
as Trice has been. I'm not going to say ever. I think right. West Virginia last year was as cool of an atmosphere no as I've ever been a part of. No TCU, um, Lanning's year. Yeah. yeah, Texas this year. But that, after as long of a day as that no was, doubt. that was as impressed as I've been. No question. And, and you know, like, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that that's one of those days, the length of it, <laughs> the mm. multiple rain delays and – you know, and you can almost go down almost every game in the early part of the season felt like it was something oh, man. on top of something. But, um, you know, just just really humbled, really grateful, and, and really appreciative that, you know, our fans continue to stick by our side. And we're going to, like I said, we're going to continue to build it the right way. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't know if I've ever been more energized and excited about taking what we've learned and f- continuing to fill in the margins to take this program to the next step. Just uh, to close, I know you you got tight end coach open. Nobody's been more staunch about the tight ends than me mm-hmm. since you're, you got you're ready. So I'm just saying, like, if you could tell me where to drop off, yeah, yeah, resume and cover letter. Well, we'll get you, we'll get you, <laughs> we'll get you in the room right now before you leave yeah, and whoever, get you a quick interview. Whoever the new guy is, like, I'm not expecting to get the job. I'm, yeah. I'm probably going to be like the runner up, right. I would guess, where my qualifications are. But I'll talk to this new guy. Well, what I might do is call home and call your dad. Yeah, a there you bit. go. Because I know you love tight ends, oh. but nobody loves tight ends better than your father. That and, is, and he does. He may deserve the job more than in you anyway oh absolutely that's the god's honest truth yeah he loves him saner good though like he's Saner's just good broke the leg he's just gotta yeah he'll be good and you know our hope is we can get him back into into some football you know it probably won't be totally full go for spring practice but i think he'll be back out there and drill work and, and getting some work in by the time we start spring ball which is exciting for him and obviously good for us because he was a huge oh, asset man. To, to us one of my favorite guys no on the team no he's, he's fun to watch thanks coach appreciate it no problem and hey listen we might have been if saner was in the game we might not have had to go under center you, you know what i'm saying so remember when he was in well, the game we got most of those i'm trying to give ones. you an opportunity here to explain stuff i like know that. i know like the kickoff thing makes so much sense but yeah. unless you're thinking about it from no that doubt. you know what i mean no doubt so that's about good it. i appreciate you getting together and uh we'll catch up some other time sounds awesome i appreciate you, know. you a bunch all right Pre- appreciate it coach uh thanks for listening everybody